Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Shane Davis, a former prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's what we'll talk about in today's episode. We'll talk about the recent coronavirus news. We'll talk about opening day at home. Life as a minor league ball player, a a favorite baseball memory for both Shane and myself, and a prediction on when Major League Baseball could come back. Shane, how are you today? Good, thanks. How are you doing, Dylan? I am great. Well, let's get right into the not-so-fun stuff of the week as we talk about the latest developments in the coronavirus pandemic. The NHL has now seen two cases amongst players. The NBA is sitting at around 10 to 15. And the MLB doesn't have any, but minor league baseball does have two, both in the Yankees system. The NFL has a coach in New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, who has the virus. And the numbers continue to grow across the United States and Canada. Shane, what do you think the next steps should be for the MLB handling this virus? Or do you think they're managing it well enough right now? Well, I think uh, just like anybody, it's just you got to sit and wait to see what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, they have to be um, taking advice from all the healthcare professionals. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully we can get going sooner than later. Um, obviously, we don't want the baseball season to uh, completely be canceled. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? We've seen governments take measures to try and slow the spread with uh, closing the closing borders around the country, canceling flights and closing non-essential businesses. That's certainly a step. People should be isolating more than what we have seen so far, because of course we have seen pictures and videos of parks and landmarks being filled with, uh, with people that are still outside of the house, still doing things, even though they've been told by their governments to self-isolate to help slow the spread of the virus. The Blue Jays have an interesting case in, uh, in Dunedin, all the starting pitchers have stayed at Blue Jay spring training camp just to keep working out a little bit. And Hyunjin Ryu is one especially. He wanted to go home, but then decided against it in fear that because of the coronavirus, he wouldn't be able to come back to the United States and Canada in time for opening day, whenever that may be. Shane, what are your thoughts on all these pitchers and players staying in their camps? Well, on, on from the player side of things, it's pretty difficult right now because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, as a pitcher, you obviously want to be ready if the season is going to start um, as soon as possible. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the setup is, but I would imagine um, they're not all gathering at once, you know, in close proximity. Uh, long toss is probably taking place, so it's not like they're close together. But from a player side of things, you're trying as much as you can just to stay in shape um, so that once the season goes, you're, you're ready to go and hopefully avoid any risk of injury. I was reading uh, a few weeks ago that what they had, they've got the pitchers, four pitchers are throwing, four starting pitchers are throwing long toss to each other. They're playing catch. Ryu is staying away from the catch. He's just doing weights. And the Blue Jays have staff at the entrance to the to spring training camp, to their camp in Dunedin every day to make sure that nobody's showing any symptoms. And if they are, they are turned away and sent back home. So they are taking the necessary precautions to make sure that the virus doesn't uh, spread in camp and make sure that none of their players get it. The Yankees had two cases in their minor league system, as, uh, as we mentioned before. Um, and I'm not too sure what an update is, what the update is on them, how they're doing. We'll see if something comes out in the coming weeks or if it's all just going to go away. But the numbers are continuing to rise around the world. Moving on to something a little bit happier. Today would have been opening day under normal circumstances, but unfortunately we're not in any position to have 15 games and 15 packed stadiums today with the spread of COVID-19. So the MLB has created opening day at home. Today on various MLB social media accounts, there will be 30 games, one for each team. The morning where this morning there were games as early as 8:30 when the Las Mayores Twitter account, and I sure hope I wasn't pronouncing that wrong, 
aired the 2013 NL wildcard game, which the Pittsburgh Pirates won at home over the Cincinnati Reds. And that was the infamous Cueto game where the Bucks fans were chanting his last name and were all over him. The games go as late as 10.30 tonight when the MLB YouTube channel will air Game 7 of the 2014 World Series between the Giants and Royals, where Madison Bumgarner came in and dominated out of the pen. The Blue Jays were on or are on at the time of this recording on the Las Mayores Facebook page. If I'm not mistaken, all games can be rewatched on their respective channels. For the Blue Jays, it was Game 5 of the 2015 ALDS, the Jose Bautista bat flip game, and I have the bat flip pictured behind me here. Shane, what are your thoughts on the move by the MLB to bring baseball back in some way to our screens today? Well, I think it's great. I mean, trying to keep the fans as engaged as possible through obviously a, a you know a time with some turmoil. Um, I even heard that uh, Sportsnet was uh, viewing games from you know Robbie Alomar's home run uh, back in the, the early '90s in the World Series games, and even that as a you know someone from Ontario, that's that's exciting to see and. You know, the new generation of kids who have, may have heard of these players, but not necessarily know exactly who they are or ever saw them play. Uh, just being able to see those games and, you know, those moments like, uh, you know, the Jose Bautista bat flip, um, you know, would be comparable to the Joe Carter home run. Obviously, that's winning World Series that that kids just haven't seen in the in the past. So just being able to connect them to the past of the Jays hopefully builds up baseball a little bit more so. Yeah, I think it's a great idea as well. The MLB is doing a great job of uh, showing the game on all their social media accounts because today is one of the most exciting days of the year. It's filled with so much optimism and hope for so many fan bases. But unfortunately, it's not happening. The opening day is not taking place for anybody because of the virus. And it's to try and slow the spread. And it's understandable because health and safety come first, of course. But uh, there is a remarkable game for every team being broadcast on social media accounts. You can see the full schedule on the 211's Baseball Talk social media pages at 211SBT on Instagram, at 211BT on Twitter, and 211's Baseball Talk on Facebook. The channel's broadcasting games today are the at MLB Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter accounts, along with Las Mayores on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Cut4 on Twitter and MLB Vault on YouTube. So the MLB is really pulling out all the stops to... Uh, get these games out on the air and we have seen that a lot of games are actually available on MLB vault on YouTube some Blue Jays games from their 1992 and 93 runs they've got Jose Bautista's 50th home run in 2010 which is a moment that a lot of Blue Jays fans probably forgot about because that season was not so great but that was one of the highlights of it for sure so the MLB is really trying to get fans to watch some more baseball and to grow the game even during this trying time moving on Today, as you know, we are lucky enough to be joined by a former minor league ball player in Shane Davis who pitched in the Blue Jays system. Shane went to Canisius College and just dominated, racking up several accolades there and setting records in wins, innings, pitch, complete game, strikeout, and strikeouts while playing for the Glens Falls Golden Eagles of the New York Collegiate Baseball League. Shane was drafted by the Blue Jays in the 42nd round in 2011 and went to pitch for the Jays in Bluefield, where he transitioned into a reliever's role. So, Shane, first of all, what was the experience like getting drafted? And walk us through the process until you signed with the Blue Jays. Oh, it, it was exciting. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Um, I was actually at home. I think I was playing an NHL video game listening to the uh, to the MLB radio because, uh, you know, they, they don't put the 42nd round on TV. It's not quite as exciting as the first couple. Um, but, yeah, I was I was just kind of playing a video game and, and I heard my name and I kind of ran down and yelled at my sister that I'd got drafted by the Jays. And it, it was kind of, it was a strange feeling. Like it, it was something that I obviously knew was possible, but 
until it happens, you, you, you don't really know what to expect. And yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was exciting to be able to, especially by the Jays. I mean, I grew up more of a Tigers fan when I was a young kid, but obviously I went to, a, you know, plenty of Jays games as a kid. So it, it was definitely exciting. I'm sure it was. How did your experience at Canisius help you prepare for the grind of a minor league season? Uh, school was great. I mean, my coach at, at uh, Canisius, uh, Mike McCray, who's now at VCU, um, he, he was unbelievable. Uh, our, our practice plans were very regimented, uh, strict schedules. Um, you know, I, I played summer ball with some guys that went to some big time schools and kind of talked to them about their their schedule and it seemed a little bit more loose. So I, I really, I really liked the, the structure of practices. Uh, obviously when you're a student athlete, you're, you're a student as well. So you have to balance and, and learn how to, you know, manage your time with, with classes and, and baseball, because uh, at least my experience was if, if we didn't perform academically or if we missed a class, we didn't go on a baseball trip. So uh, we had to keep everything up in the in the grades side of things as well. Um, but the the baseball experience at Canisius was unbelievable. Half our team was Canadian. Um, every everybody got along really well, and and I, I couldn't have really asked for for much more from that school. This is a question I asked Brent last week, but I'm asking it to you again here. Was it ever tough to balance the academic side of things and playing baseball? I didn't find it tough, no, just because I, I, I really enjoyed the program that, that I was in. Actually, I took criminal justice um, at school, and I, I really liked it. I, I liked the school aspect of it. Um, I, I, you know, if I didn't exactly like the courses I was taking, I'm sure that would have been a little bit more difficult. Um, but no, I, I didn't find it too difficult we we had to go to a study hall uh, as freshmen for a couple hours uh you know throughout the week so that kind of helped but you know whether it was bus rides or you know some of the downtime that you have you know we were able to read the read books and everything one of my roommates was a biology major and I don't think I ever saw him on the road because he was always in the hotel lobby studying so you find ways to do it so would you say it's important to enjoy what you're taking in school if you want to have a successful baseball career at, at a college? Yeah, I mean, I think everything helps. Like, you know, it's it's your whole situation. Um, schooling definitely helps. Um, you know, if you're not enjoying the classes you're taking, obviously baseball is a good escape, but you eventually got to go back to that. So that's going to affect your your mental well-being at some point. Yeah, for sure. And moving on to your pro experience now, out of the bullpen, how did you keep yourself ready for when John Schneider, the Vancouver Canadiens manager at the time, would come call? That, honestly, that was the most difficult um, thing that I found about professional baseball. Um, obviously, I knew that I was going to be in the bullpen when I was in Vancouver. We had guys come through such as Noah Syndergaard and Justin Nicolino and Aaron Sanchez. And uh, I think Daniel Norris was up there at one point. So I know I'm not starting over them. And he, even another guy, Anthony Descofani, who ended up pitching, I believe, for the Reds. Um, I know I'm not going to start. So I accept the bullpen um, role. I just found it very difficult to get in any kind of a routine. My personality in general is a little bit more laid back, which is more suitable to a, a starter's role rather than getting thrown into the fire. Um, but the, the first game I, I pitched in, I walked the bases loaded and then I struck out the next three, which 
if anybody saw me pitch before professional baseball, that's, that's not usually what I would do. Um, I was more of a command kind of person, not a, not a throw the ball over the place and then strike everybody out. So yeah, it, it was a hard adjustment. I, I honestly never really adjusted to it. Um, but just tried as much as I could to, to find some kind of routine to always be ready. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Aaron Sanchez, Noah Syndergaard, Justin Nicolino, Anthony DiSclefani, all guys that came through Vancouver that season, Daniel Norris as well. What was it like to play with those guys who are now permanent fixtures in most cases in the it, it was It was impressive. I, I think you learn quickly once you get to a certain level that there's the 95% of you know athletes and then there's the top 5%. And you could definitely tell that those guys – we're in the top 5%. Even when I was in Bluefield, Roberto Osuna was there and, and watching him pitch, he was probably the most impressive out of all of them. Um, he threw his fastball at different speeds, his changeup at different speeds, his breaking ball at different speeds. I remember one game he started and he said, I feel like the first pitch is going to be 85 today. And he threw 85 and then the next pitch was 90 and the next pitch was 95. And then he threw it 85 again. Um, so just certain things. I remember in Vancouver, Noah Syndergaard threw a, an 0-2 fastball inside on a righty uh, and it was a hundred miles an hour and it got hit off the wall for a double. So I quickly realized that uh, I can't throw a hundred. I need to find a different way to be able to survive here. Yeah. So what did you have in your arsenal and how were you able to use it for your success? Collegiately, I was fastball, change up, breaking ball, um, a little bit more of a, I guess you'd call a slurve, not a true curveball, not a true slider. Um, in college, I was the command guy, um, throw any pitch and any count kind of, if, if you, you're from, I know you're familiar with Mark Burley, but more, more that type. I like to work mm-hmm. really quick. Um, I like to get out innings as fast as possible and keep the defense on their toes. Um, professionally, I, I feel like, you know, if I could go back and kind of do it all over again, I worried too much about, my results and if I was going to get released or if I was going to get sent down. Um, and, and rather than being what I was before, very aggressive, um, I, I kind of became quite hesitant. Um, and I, I, you know, that's part of the reason that, that I'm no longer playing was just my, my mental approach to the game completely changed from college to, uh, to professional, but professionally I ended up in the last, believe it was a uh, last month I ended up throwing sidearm more of like an Aaron loop type thing um, I I just wasn't I tried to make a couple mechanical adjustments um, throwing a little bit more over top than I had in the past it just wasn't working so I just figured as a as a last resort to try to kind of stick around or enjoy my last month of pro ball I went to sidearm and and that that was a lot of fun because I saw more success so the last little bit was better than the beginning so um, in today's game, we see a lot of power arms and you got into it a little bit. We see less finesse guys to you. And you were, of course, a command guy yourself. You like to paint the corners. What is more valuable, a guy who can do that or a guy who can blow it right past? Well, I, I mean, it's a balance like usually and and whether we're talking collegiate or early professional um, at the big league level, it it's obviously starts to change as pitchers mature. But collegiately and in the beginning of pro ball, most guys that throw really hard don't throw a lot of strikes. So if, if you're a college uh, program and especially a smaller school that, that needs to win, you know, coaches, their jobs dependent on winning. Um, you know, if I was a college coach, yeah, I obviously want those guys 
you know, more so in the bullpen that are going to come in and strike some guys out. But I want the guy that can guarantee me, you know, five to seven innings in college. And I, I can always, you know, guarantee what I'm pretty much going to get. Um, but at the big league level, it's it's changed so much. Even, you know, some of the guys I work with obviously have, have played, you know, Major League Baseball and just talking to them. You know, it's not that long ago that they were there and they talk about, yeah, you'd get the odd guy that's 95, 98. Uh, but, mo- you know, most people were 88 to 92 and now it's 88 to 92 almost doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So why do you why do you think that is? Why do you think more pitchers are trying to throw harder and not worrying as much? About I think it just man? comes with the analytics side of things. You know, the game's obviously a lot more swing and miss now. Um, it, it's kind of refreshing actually now that the Jays have Ryu just to, I mean, I guess he's somewhat, you know, like the Estrada, the, the pitchability guy, but it's just, it's the way the game is, you know, every hitter analytically, they say it's, you know, it's better to swing for the fences, um, than to bunt against the shift because your chances of getting, you know, three hits in a row in an inning aren't very good. It's, you're more likely to hit a home run. So that's why you see the Chris Davis and those guys just swing for the fences, um, so it's just the way the game is. I mean, every sports change, you know, obviously in Canada, we're hockey fans. You know, I was watching a Red Wings avalanche game from 97. Uh, yeah, yeah no, they were really good then. I can, I can share that DVD with you if you like, but uh, no, they <laughs> just watching that. It, it looks like the pace of soccer almost compared to what it is now. So I think just all sports are, are getting more, you know, obviously the top end is still, very good but the the lower end is getting better and and baseball's part of that it's adapting and you know guys are coming out throwing as hard as they possibly can because one you know it's more exciting as a as a scout to show up to you know a college field or whatever and see a guy throwing 95 and it's easier to scout those guys than it is the guys that are you know might not be throwing as hard but have more pitch ability now we see a lot of guys like Nate Pearson's coming up in, in in a few months, hopefully as long as the season gets underway, and he's pumping a hundred consistently through multiple innings. Now, do you think that he'll be able to sustain that? Because that's a big question surrounding him and all these power arms that are coming up, like Mackenzie Gore, the San Diego Padres, Casey Mize of the Detroit Tigers. They're all coming up at their power arms. Is that sustainable for a lot of guys? Or do you think that he's eventually going to have to transition to the bullpen? If you well, want I mean, to you see guys, velocity? and I think Justin Verlander is a good example of a guy that's, that's thrown pretty hard throughout his whole career that's been able to sustain some, obviously, some really good success as a starter. I think the one thing that you concern yourself with when guys are throwing that hard is just, you know, Tommy John, is it going to be inevitable? I just heard that Noah Syndergaard's going to be, you know, one of the guys that's on there. And you look at Noah Syndergaard, you look at Nate Pearson. I think Nate's obviously more physical than uh, Syndergaard is, but Syndergaard, I believe he's six, six. I think they're both six, six. Like if there's a prototypical starting pitcher, those, those are both the guys. So you just hope that, Obviously, I, I've heard a little bit about Pearson and his work ethic, and that, that can obviously go to prevent injury. But I, I think when guys throw 100 miles an hour, the elbow is just not meant to you know, sustain that kind of abuse. So hopefully it, hopefully it doesn't happen. But you know, all the guys that end up throwing hard usually seem to be a little bit more injury prone. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, final question now, how did your experience in pro ball with Vancouver help you as a coach? Because you, of course, coach for the Great Lake Canadians, a very high level baseball program in southwestern Ontario. How did that time spent with the Blue Jays organization spent at Canisius? How did that help you prepare for your coaching days and did it did it change your pitching philosophy in any way and how I you think, teach guys uh collegiately um obviously like i said my experience was great you you mentioned at the beginning obviously i had a good co- collegiate career um in college i didn't i didn't work on mechanics a ton um i found it kind of came more natural to me i didn't have to focus on as much um but once i got to pro ball you know, the Jays started trying to fix a couple things and rightfully so I wasn't being, you know, I wasn't having a good career. So they're trying to help. Um, but I think that the biggest thing I learned and a lot of it, I learned through failure. I mean, you can look up my professional stats. They're not very good. Um, and a, a lot of, like I said before, a lot of that's mental, but a lot of that was also, I was trying to do things and get away from things that had worked in the past. And I, I find with young pitchers now, Obviously, it depends on the age, but you don't want to change too much, especially when they're they see success. So it's a fine balance between helping a pitcher, but also kind of letting them go a little bit on certain things, obviously, unless it's something that is going to cause injury. Um, But, yeah, it's it's really helped me just kind of I feel like I relate to to players more so now having failed. because I, I, I don't want, whether it's through, you know, center field sports, through lessons, or whether it's through the Great Lake Canadians, you know, I, I don't want people to be intimidated or feel uncomfortable or not be able to ask questions. And that's what I found professional baseball for me, at least, was I just, I felt like, you know, I, I didn't really belong, you know, asking the coach certain questions, because then, you know, maybe that gets me released. It was just, just the mental game. So I try as much as I can to stay, to stay as positive as I can and, and not as intimidating as possible when it comes to, comes to coaching. That's some really interesting stuff. Thanks a lot for sitting down with us and talking to us about, uh, about your professional career. It was a pleasure to listen to. Uh, moving on, you're a guy who's been in the game for a while. So either as a player, a coach, or a fan, what is your favorite moment that it's you? It's funny you, you said baseball? we were going to talk about this, and I started thinking. And I mean, individual, you know, accolades or whatever. Like I threw a no hitter in summer ball. That was exciting. We won the championship in Vancouver. That was exciting. Um, but I think it's more of a general answer. My favorite memory in baseball is just all the people I've I've met and I've grown to know. Whether it was I mean, I know you, you play with the Tecumseh's and I played with the Tecumseh's as a kid and some of my best moments are from there. And then whether it was the junior national team, some of the people I met through that or college, the people I met, the families that I lived with in summer ball, I, I lived with four different families throughout the years. And, you know, it, even family coming to see my games, just it's all that. There's not one specific memory that I would say is better than another Um, but just in general, just the people that I've been able to meet, I mean, you're one of them. I remember you as a kid coming to our camps and you, you love baseball and you were so excited to, to be an umpire or be the broadcaster when we were, we were playing the like mini games and, and now you're doing this, which is awesome. And I think, I think it's just in general, it's, it's just the people that I've been able to, to meet and work with. I'm, I work with some great people and some great baseball minds 
Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's one in, in particular, just everything in general. It's, it's been great to meet a lot of people. Well, that's, that's awesome. And obviously for me, I mean, I've been lucky enough to meet some great people as well. You and all the staff at Centerfield Sports have been so great in my development in baseball and my learning of the game and so supportive in all of the podcasts and playing and all, all of that stuff. As a, as a fan, I love the Jose Bautista bat flip, the Edwin Encarnacion walk-off in the wild card game. I remember when Bautista hit that home run, I, we had a Blue Jays flag at home sitting on the couch. I took it and I started running up and down the street with that uh, with that flag on my back as if it was a cape and it was just so so much fun to watch there have been so many great moments and I'm, I'm just 14 as a lot of our listeners know and it's it's been so amazing so the game can give you some awesome awesome memories and we will end things in this episode with one final question this can be completely out of nowhere if that's what you choose to to do when do you think major league baseball will return and will they have i mean i hope they do obviously there's been some some news and uh baseball podcasts that i've listened to that i've heard you know they're considering going to double headers seven innings uh to get as many games in as possible to say you know i i know i don't think anybody knows but you hope by by july it's Mm -hmm. really in the middle of it and it's rolling but we don't really know. And, and, you know, that's the optimistic point of view. And, and even I had heard that the, uh, the MLB and the players union have come to an agreement that if a season does take place this year, no matter how many games are played, if you're on the active roster, you will get credit for a year of service time, um, which for a baseball junkie, if you know what that means, that's huge. Um, that goes towards pension and, and arbitration and all that. So you know, hopefully by July, it's, you know, you're, you're on full swing, but I guess we don't really know. And then there are those people that'll say, oh, it's not happening this year with the NHL. They're not getting a season in, but nobody really knows. Nobody's in a position to say it's not happening and nobody's in a position to say it is going to happen. There's so much uncertainty surrounding the coronavirus and the future of the MLB. One thing we can all do is stay home, keep washing our hands, making sure that we are all staying safe from the virus to help flatten the curve. And I know it's been preached by so many politicians and people in the news lately, but it is a very important part in slowing down the spread of the virus. We want to try and flatten that curve so we can have sports again on TV. Well, Shane, thank you very much for sitting down with us today and talking to us and joining the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure yeah, to have you on. We hope you can do this again. If you need again. any entertainment, I got six Red Wings DVDs for you. They won the Stanley Cup a couple of times. I can show you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll have to pass on that as a Habs fan, but thank you. I appreciate it. This has been episode 49 of 211's Baseball Talk.